So, welcome to the CEO Huddle. And uh, this morning, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Brian Dean, who was uh, a legendary professional footballer in many circles. And uh, he's got some claims to fame, which we'll talk about. So, uh, morning, Brian. Morning. Nice to meet you, Pete. How are you doing? How's, how's COVID treating you? How's, how's being locked down affected you? Um, I suppose like anybody else, you go, you have ups and downs. Um, I mean, I suppose in some respects, I'm quite lucky. I don't really live in an area where it's really dense. So I'm, I'm a little bit between Leeds and Harrogate, um, which is which is nice part of the country in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a worrying time. I have my my mother um, who's getting on, um, you know, and, and then you kind of look at all of the kind of interactions where you're going, where you know, where if you're going there and so on. So it's yeah. it's not a it's not an easy time, I suppose, for anybody. Yeah, just leaping into, I want to talk about how you how you became a footballer, but um, just before I forget, what do you think about crowds? So I mean, obviously. Footballers get a lot of stick from crowds. So, is it better? Do you play better with or without one? It depends on um, what state of mind you're in. To be honest, uh, if you are, you know, if you're going through a, a, a pretty um, lean spell, say for example as a forward, um, then I think that it's probably easier to get over if there's no crowd and you can play your way back into your confidence without feeling that um, you know you're being judged. Um, but obviously, if you if you're on a hot streak and you, it's kind of quite a gladiatorial situation you're in, right. and at that point you feel as though you know nothing can stop you. You want everybody with you and all the support. So. It depends. Uh, you know, people have asked me what I thought about the whole thing with Leeds United, for example. And, um, you know, the crowd down at Ellen Road are notoriously vociferous um, and um, hyper kind of aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when, when things aren't going well, they get quite tense, you know. Um, and you just kind of, you know, did it help the, the, the team? It depends on what characters you've got in there. Um, but ultimately, you've always got to go out and win the games. And, and in that example, you know, they, they kind of, they got stronger yeah. as, as, the, as the season went on. Yeah. So, in a, I guess, being a forward, you're kind of putting yourself out there, aren't you? I always think it's like, you know, being the lead singer. Uh, being the bass player is, is fine because nobody really notices you. So, I'm not saying they don't notice defenders, but certainly... As you said, if you're in a, you can't really be in a lean spell as a midfielder, can you? Maybe not playing well, but it's obvious if you're not scoring, you're not scoring. Yeah, it's a, it's a different mentality, um, and and I, and I think personally that, you know, that people don't always understand the dynamics of being a centre forward. You know, you can you can go out there, you can buy a centre forward who scored twenty five goals a season for the last three years. But if you don't have the right, um, so let's talk business terms now, let's talk, you know, if you don't have the right infrastructure around that as an investment, then your investment's going to come down. So I've, I've been in situations, I've seen situations where, you know, I might have played with somebody as a fullback who I'm looking at him technically or a winger and they might not cross the ball when I require it to get the maximum out of myself. 
and all of those things can affect you. Whereas I think if you're a midfield player, you know, you have certain types of jobs, but whether you're a centre forward or a goalkeeper, those are the sharp ends. You know, the centre forward is directly responsible. You know, if you go through, if, if the team's not scoring, people look at the centre forward. And if you're conceding goals, yeah, well, people look at the defence, but ultimately it's the goalkeeper that they're looking at as well. Yeah, yeah. So if we go all the way back then, where did you grow up? Uh, Leeds, Chapel Town. Uh, okay. Leeds. I don't know if you know, do you know Chapel Town? Yeah, I do, yeah. I'm from Leeds. Okay. Yeah, yeah so I, I grew up um, in Chapel Town. My parents came from the West Indies and... Um, you know, I had, a, I had a fantastic childhood there. You know, we were, you know, it was it was just, I, I remember in the summer, the summers were a little bit different there because we seemed to have proper seasons, giving my age away now. But, um, you know, we'd spend it all, all day on the wreck, either playing cricket or football or riding bikes and so on. Um, you know, but when, I, when it came to playing football, I, I, I joined, um, I went for a trial at Yorkshire Amateurs. Oh yeah, I remember uh, that. We, uh, we've played against yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, my, my little boy's just come to say hello. That's fine. Um, we'll interview him next. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, um, I'm just, just a second, son. Um, and, uh, you know, it was myself and another guy from my school, Michael Phillips. Um, we uh, were the only two black kids there. And, in, in the uh, school? We were... No, 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 on the trial. There's about okay. 100 kids. All right. And um, so, so me and Michael came from my school, Elmhurst Middle. And, um, you know, we got to hear about these trials. And, um, you know, we went there and, and it was, the trials went really well. And, and, and everybody was kind of like, they were fascinated the fact that we turned up because, you know, in them days, it's hard to kind of find out about these things when you're in a community like um, like we were in. Yeah. Just because there's no communication. And, um, you know, we did very well. Um, How old were you at this stage? 10, 11. All right. 10. So did you go, so we, did you go by yourselves or did your parents take you? No, no, no. We went by ourselves. We went... Um, we caught the bus um, on round the road and went up to John Smeaton School, and um, yeah, they were they were they were really lovely people. And um, you know, of course, at that time, most if not all the kids had their parents picking them up and so on. And it was um, Dave Cam was my manager, and 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 it was like basically from that day they said, well, no, we, we'll we'll pick you up every day. Um, and and we'll bring you in, and and that was really helpful because I suppose as you can imagine, trips in all over Leeds yeah. when you're when you're a kid. Um, I mean, my parents were working, um, but no, that helped enormously. Um, and, and that, that was the first step for me. That wasn't a direct route. I lived on Barrick Road, which was which is where John Smeaton School was. So right. from where you were, that's not like a five yeah. minute bus ride, is it? Well, no, it isn't. I mean, we, we did have one lad who was in a couple of years older than us who actually kind of came with us on the bus because obviously, you know, at 10, 11 years old, you know, travelling uh, those kind of distances is like, is crazy, you know. Um, yeah. 
but um, but no, it, we, you know, we we had we were determined. You know, we we had a dream, myself and Michael, and um, you know, we were determined to to kind of test ourselves to find out what else was out there. And in many ways, we represented our local community as well. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was. It was just something that I always wanted to do. I always, I always had it in my um, DNA, I think, to, to want to be a footballer. Right. And was that for any reason? No, 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 no family reason. Just because it just came to you. No, my brother, my brother. Yeah, so um, so no influence, just because you just had it in you that that from an age you wanted to be a, what a professional footballer and play for a particular club. Just wanted to be a professional footballer. It was just what I wanted to do. I, I was always quite sporty as a kid, anyway. But um, you know, football seemed to be the one that I really wanted to. I was really motivated to be. Um, my big brother was probably one of my heroes at the time, and he went off to play. He went off to the navy, um, but he played for the navy, and um, he was a keen footballer. But he just there just weren't the opportunities, I think, for people like him at that time, because um, the, the the black community was still, it, you know, in them days. You talk about, um, you know, not there was a real kind of security and staying within your own community at that point there was there was a lot of suspicion and, and everything else around being out or coming in or whatever so even when my brother went to school and so on you know there was a lot of talented talented um kids there athletically and all the rest of it but they just weren't getting any opportunities and it started to change yeah um because of the likes of civil regis and all of these people starting to get opportunities in football you know people started to break down those barriers in their minds I think and um, look beyond what was in front of them so uh, yes yeah, so I think that contributed so from from there Yorkshire amateurs that what did you happen then did you get scouted from Yorkshire amateurs yeah I went to play for Leeds City Boys I, I started representing Leeds City Boys as well Right. And I think from there, you know, obviously the network started spreading out. I, um, you know, I went on a few trials to a few places. I went down to Leeds United on trial um, when I was 13, 14. Um, and then, you know, scouts from clubs come and look, don't they? And, you know, but I, I didn't get an apprenticeship, um, you know, and that was pretty tough to take because I'd been, a, I'd been a, one of the, better players in the district for a long time and then you know I think a combination of a couple of like injuries and um, people catching me up with uh, my growth spurts and all the rest of it you know I actually um, when I was at Leeds City Boys they um, they tried to convert me into a central midfield player and um, so I spent a year um, playing out of position, and that was because they they wanted me in the team, but there was somebody else that they wanted to that you know was deemed a better player than me at the time. Right. Um, so I think I suffered a little bit there in terms of, but 
you know, hey, it worked out all right in the end. You yeah. know what I mean? And did any of those players at Leeds City Boys, did any of them become professionals that you were playing with? Uh, not that, not in that age group, no. Uh, I mean, the, the year under me, Dave Batty was there. Um, there's a couple of lads who um, who uh, got apprenticeships at Leeds. One of them was a good friend of mine, but he had to pack in through injury. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, you know, the, the statistics are that, you, you know, not a lot of players get through the filter. Um, but fortunately for me, I... You know, I managed to have a decent career in the end. Yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, um, I think people are becoming more aware of, of that kind of prejudice now because of George Floyd and all this. Um, but, so you obviously had that when you were growing up. But in, an, in another kind of way, didn't it make you different? In that, you know, if, you, if you'd have been, you know, a kid that... Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I stuck out kid basically. Kid. Yeah, yeah. I stuck out, and um, you know, I had different, I had different assets to other kids. Um, you know, so yeah, it worked in my favour. You know, I suppose at that in that age group, in those age groups at that time, if you had black kids in your teams, then they had to be good. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Otherwise, they weren't going to get a look in. As simple as that. We didn't bring the oranges. That's for sure. <laughs> at half time, yeah, but just brought ourselves. We just brought ourselves, basically, you know. So um, yeah, we we didn't have the kind of parents who would, you know, we. I mean, you know, wash the kit and all. You know, it was it was a real community effort. But I mean, we were just there, you know. I think as a black kid, and you know, we had enough going on at home, you know. And and my mum was working. My dad was always working. Um, you know, so we, we didn't have, we, we hadn't kind of had that community of, right, okay, you know, it's your turn to wash the kit. It changed because my mum did have to wash the kit and she wasn't happy about it because it ruined our um, washing machine. But, you know, that's, that's just part of life, you know, yeah. and it was all part of mucking in. But if we think about what makes people, um, you know, it's like, uh, I was think that Federer, it's not because he's got the best backhand or forehand. I mean, they're great, but number 200 in the world could have a, a, a forehand that's within 95%. It's something else. So all those kids that would have their kit washed and, and you know, were dropped off in nice cars, they didn't make it, did they? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, no. I mean, I suppose there's kind of a probably a number of factors that go into that you know perhaps it's resilience you know perhaps one of the things that I built up over time was because I got a lot of rejection um, it would have been easier any time to pack in because I had enough people telling me that you know I'd never make it or you know uh, you know you know even when you go to school and, 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 and the teachers are saying oh it's a waste of time there was I had a school teacher who tried to stop me from actually uh, going to play for Leeds City Boys and then my dad had to go up. I felt so strongly about it that I would have left the school. Right. Um, and then there were other factors that came into it. Like, you know, I remember when I went to, I remember when I went to that school and they had me in the lowest class for English. And I was like, what am I doing in here? You know, I mean, I'm like, it, I was, 
you know, I was it was clearly the wrong class for me. And, um, and you know, it's the kind of class where you'd have these multiple choice and all. And I was like, why am I in here? And um, no, but it's true because what you don't realize is that um, once you get put into those kind of, once you get segregated like that, that's your network. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if I'd have stayed there, then my network would have been all of these kids who unfortunately might have come from broken homes, whatever. That was the network that they were putting me in. That was at high school. <clears throat> and I went and I said, look, I don't, I shouldn't be in this class. You know, and, and, and eventually after some tumming and froing, they moved me. And, 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 and um, the class I went to was more the kind of, you know, the kind of people who would be going out working middle class, whatever, you, whatever. It was just a different field. Now, I could have quite quickly got labelled and that would have been my network and that would have been, you know, but I didn't want that for me. Mm. So these are all experiences like that help to build your character, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I just had this, I don't know what it was, it maybe a bit like salmon fish swimming upstream. You know, I just had it in my head that I wanted to be a footballer or I, you know, I, I wanted to be successful at whatever I did. You know, I mean, even now I, I kind of still beat myself up because I actually think I could have been a better player if I had more belief. But, you know, going back to that feeling of kind of, you know, that rejection that I had to wear at times, um, perhaps, you know, if I'd have had the right person apart from my brother telling me how good I was, I, I could have played at the top level a lot longer. But look, There'll be people listening saying, well, you know, get over it. You know, you, you, you did all right. But no, that's my mindset, yeah. you know. No, and, I, and, and I, yeah, I think the lesson is, um, I'm not sure they would say that. I think they, I think they would resonate with them that, that, um, that that's what happens. That, you know, you've got parents who tell you you're not good enough. Not for any bad reason. They just don't know any different. And then you've got mm. teachers who tell you you're not good enough. You know, every... I think every, the majority of people who've, let's say, made it, have got stories of teachers telling them that they're wasting their time. Yeah. And then you- I'll go along with that. And then you didn't do that, but uh, when you then go into a, a work environment, a corporate environment, you then get bosses telling people that they're not good enough. And so what's, what's interesting is how throughout all that bollocks that goes on, you from Chapel Town, which, you know, for those who don't know, it's not the most salubrious place on earth. Um, being a black kid, it, it, where you turn up, there's only two of you uh, who were black at the time. You, whatever, you end up, whether you could have been better or not, you ended up doing what millions of kids don't do and dream about doing. You became a professional footballer. Hmm. So, well, yeah, I mean, again, like I say, you know, I, I kind of, I think one of the things that you have to have if you're going to make it anything is you have to have this I always kind of look at it and I think about the Truman Show and I, I, in my mind there were times in my life where I thought this world was this is my Truman Show so everything around me was put together for me and um, and I think that you have to have that because I never wanted to be part of the pack in whatever you know, whether it 
you know, for whatever reason, I always wanted to be different. I always felt as I was different and um, I won't stop thinking I'm different. And maybe that's a mindset now that's grown with me because, um, you know, it's got me to where I have. Because if I look back and I think about what, you know, how old I am, what I've done in this life so far, and what my views are moving forward, then you have to have a, a different mindset to to actually, um, you know, to to actually think like that. You know, I, I've got a football now, and um, you know, I, I call it perception management when I look at business, and I, and I I look at chief execs in some play in some respects, not all. Um, I look at people in those positions in suits and so on, and um, and I think a lot of them are winging it, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just my, I, I look at it and it's all a lot of bull because, look, I've managed as well. I'm quite fortunate that I've done everything. I've coached, managed, played. I've done some consultancy um, agent work, which I didn't enjoy. Um, and so I know that there are just a load of people out there with a lot of fluff and probably have to slap themselves when they go out of the room and, and they have to face people. And um, look, I've done it. When I, when, I, when I went to manage, you have to get yourself into a different mindset, but it's all experience, it's all learning. But <clears throat> to see how, when I look at pe some people, I see them in positions and I think this is, you're a myth or it's a myth. Um, one thing that you have to have at that level is you have to have good people working underneath you. You've got to be a good delegator. And there's nothing wrong with being a good delegator because if you have a specific skill set and you're bringing that to the table, then um, it's, you've got to be, you've got to have a good network to make sure that everything works. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I've seen from transitioning that, it, it, you know, there's, it's, it's not that different, you know, um, I suppose in sport as, as a manager, you know, it, you, you're, you're kind of crisis managing all the time. You know, you might go from a game on a Saturday to a Wednesday and you might have lost the game on a Saturday, you might have lost the game on Wednesday, then you've got another game on Saturday. Now in business, you have to, you know, you do, your results, you know, don't define you so quickly. So, you, you know, you're, you're always, you have to have this, you have to be switched on with this mindset of, you know, how do I perform? How do I change the environment? What do I need in the environment? You know, what is going to make the people in the environment that I am setting work better? And it's no different. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think you're right. I think that on a football field, I'm not sure you can wing it. You certainly can't wing it to get there in the first place, but you can wing no, not, it yeah. in your business. Yeah. You can. And yeah. people do, as you say. Which is yeah. why I think when people like you make it, I think, I think sometimes people forget the achievement. They look at you playing, and I always look mm. back and think, well, how did that happen? It's not about turning yeah, on the road. It's about getting on a bus from yeah. Chapel Town when so many yeah. kids, and I was one of them. You know, we used to play on uh, Soldiers Field, and, and, and like most people, I think I was quite good. I'm part of the millions who didn't do it. And yeah. interesting, what I was thinking then 
when you said that you, you, you wanted to be different and you felt different, going back to um, when you turned up for trials, didn't that, didn't that, isn't that you though? Wouldn't you rather have turned up as one of two than a white kid in the masses who looked different? Because I tell you, when I play football, if there was a black kid, I automatically assume, assumed he'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I did. No, you're, you're absolutely, no, no, no. Well, it's true because you know what? It's like we had this thing and even when I went and played for England, we used to say you have to be better. It's like a boxer. You know, you have to knock somebody out to get a draw. And, <laughs> and it was like that, um, sort of like being noticed, you know, and, I, and I've seen it. And, and people might find it hard to believe, but, you know, listen, when you're, when you're playing, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, everything's there for you to see. Yeah. You know, when, when you're kind of, um, it's objective, whereas when you then go into the selective process, it's subjective, isn't it? Yeah, because it it's funny, last night I've got two daughters and, One's 18 and one's 15. And, and we went for a walk with the dog last night. And we ended up talking about, um, I don't know how, about uh, footballers being insulted. And I was saying that if you're Rooney, they'll call you fat. And if you're, um, if you're black, they'll call you black. But then when the black player that they call racist names signs for them, they love him. Is that true? I think people, yeah, I mean, look, when, when I was, you know, coming through, I, I always, you see, there's a different way of looking at it and, and, and none of it's, none of it's pleasant. But when I was, when I used to get abused by crowds, I, it, it inspired me and it, and it made me, it made me want to grind them into the dirt <laughs> even more. Yeah. And, and sometimes somebody on the pitch might have to take some pain, but you know, you, you kind of, you can't let something like that get to you because that, that's what's, what's progress. And it's again, being in a subjective situation, our business, for example, getting opportunities in business is, um, it's a subjective, we're in a subjective um, field then. And I, and I know that because when I was 16, I got judged on my colour just by somebody seeing me when I went in for a job interview when I was 17. And um, I know that was fact because I, I then got the backstory into why this person had, had, had allowed me to be put into that situation. And, and uh, I never, I couldn't figure it out then. I was too young and I didn't understand what was going on, but then when I explained it to somebody else, they said, you know, that's absolutely disgraceful. Um, but you can't, you know, you can't sit. And uh, if, any, if, if there was any advice I'd give to, you know, for, for starters, black people have been wearing a, a thick skin for a long time because, you know, we, you know whatever people say, <clears throat> if it makes, you know, the, if it makes people feel better or if people are in power and they can influence their situation, they'll influence it for the good of themselves rather than the good of the overall uh, corporation or whatever. Um, and, and a lot of people are not um, open to change and di diversity, whether it's colour, 
um, you know, whether it's uh, male, female, gender, whatever, you know, people want what is their shortest route to the gold. And so that always doesn't, um, that means that sometimes competition is, if you can eliminate the competition at source, then, you know, your pathway is a lot easier. And um, the way I look at it now is I think anybody who can't look themselves and, and agree that those are potential obstacles can't look at themselves in the mirror, you know? And, you know, when you talk about somebody having a good education, why have they got a good education? And why has somebody else not got a bad, why has somebody else got a bad education or no education? Have you, look at, have you looked at the paths which have brought them to where they are? Sometimes people have an easier path. And, and, and it comes back to what I was saying about resilience. Some people, um, they don't need resilience because everything is mapped out for them. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and that pathway is, is, you know, you look at a film like, you know, we used to laugh when I was a kid because you look at a film like Trading Places, for example, and you've got Dan Aykroyd who's had, you know, he's, he's, he's been given this education, he's come up through the, through the system, you know, he's had, you know, and, and everything's been given from him. He's got a butler, you know, he's going working in the city. It's easy. You know what I mean? And then you get Eddie Murphy, for example, who's dragged up off the street. The two brothers do the experiment. And it turns out that Eddie Murphy is just as good. And, and if anybody, if anybody uh, is watching this and they want to understand what I'm talking about here, there's a scene in there where they go, Eddie Murphy gets, um, it's the Christmas dinner and Eddie Murphy goes and he goes and has a spliff in the toilet. And the two brothers come and have their their one their one dollar bet. So Eddie Murphy's in the cubicle, and um, and 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 basically they don't know he's in there. So he swallows his spliff, and he, and he's like he's listening to the conversation. And um, it's interesting what the what how the two brothers come to the conclusion about what's to happen next. I don't want to spoil it. If you're that interested, go and look. And, and you have to remember that this is how, um, this, is, this is the view from my point of view in a lot of places. And this is how, this is why you have to change that view. But it's not always easy because people don't like change, especially if they're in a comfortable situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It, it is interesting. I can see that. I guess my view is that a lot of the, a lot of the privileged upbringing really mm. ends up quite sad. And I know it starts there, but you know, I think I think that it. it I just go back to all those kids um, who were on that pitch when you turned up, <coughs> and yeah. ultimately, what you had inside, plus talent, but probably more about your mind than talent, made you what you are. And and yeah. I was I was only interested in. How do you, what do you then do to your kids? So, so I guess your kids are going to have a different background to uh, upbringing to you, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but I still have to prepare them. I still have to, um, and I'm quite protective, probably more so than more than I should be, but I, I, I kind of see what issues they're going to have. So, and look, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not here. Um, complaining and 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 also if you've had that privileged upbringing fair play you've had a good roll of the dice 
and you know that the stress and the anxiety is not always good so don't think that i'm sat here thinking i'm a rounded person this is just what i've had to do to get to scrape myself off up off the floor mm. um, if you've got that privileged background if you're born into wealth or anything fair play to you don't you know don't feel sorry for anybody else you know all i would say is that start thinking about what it must be like for other people because until you've walked in somebody's shoes you, you have no idea and you have no understanding of 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 where why somebody might and again like i say i, I know because what i try and do is i try and put myself in the mind of other people and it's like well if it doesn't affect you you're not going to be that bothered about it and, and i get that as well but i'm on here because you're asking me about yeah, yeah. why and that's, and that's what that's why i wanted to talk about it really because we can talk about you being the first player to score in the premier league but that's just stuff um what's more interesting is is the stuff we're talking about and but now brian you walk around as brian dean and i guess people um you know, you turn up somewhere and, and they ask you for an autograph and fawn over you, don't they? And, and they did outside stadiums. And I think that's, that's to me, that's, that's kind of, um, that's not, not so much payback, but I mean, that's, that's an amazing story that, and, you know, I know you're around Leeds and, and you're revered. You're, you're, you're a legend at Sheffield United and Leeds, I would say. I think the thing I think the thing for me is this, you know, when I was 16, I was collecting glasses in a nightclub and I learned a lot about um, people then because, you know, um, you know, there I was on a Friday and a Saturday night um, and, um, you know, you're collecting glasses and you can see people getting chatted up and, you know, sometimes, you know, the girls would sort of like, they'd be getting chatted up by somebody, they'd be passing you um a glass and you put it in your bucket and you and you, you know you never i never forget these things because you know i treat everybody the same and i think that's where i get it from because you know if somebody collects glass it doesn't mean that they're a lesser person than somebody who's you know got a porsche parked outside or whatever mm. you, you know you you know i try and give everybody the same and and perhaps that's a failing as well because you know, there, there, are, there are times where I've been taken advantage of and, um, you know, yeah, if, you're, if you have a good nature, you know, people gravitate and, 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 and look to kind of see what they can get from you. And I, I feel that now I've got all the friends I need. Um, I, I don't really want those kinds of people around. Me. Even up to not so long ago, something happened and, and I kind of, you know, you think to yourself, really? If that's what people are like, but it won't happen again. Yeah. You know, because I, I really honestly do not need those types of people around me. You know, if I if I have something for somebody, then um, you know, I'd like I'd like them to have something to give to me as well, even if it's honesty and integrity, you know, the, you know, those are the things that are important. Yeah. So what, what would you say to the 16-year-old Brian? What advice would you give him? Well, I, I, would, I, would, say to, I would say trust myself more, believe in myself more. Um, try and give 100%. Because the thing is, if you, if you take shortcuts, it'll always come back. 
and, and bite you, you know, because it becomes part of your DNA. You know, I remember a story about when I was at, um, I, I found myself in a situation um, and, you know, you either kind of, you either um, say, okay, that's enough, or you push on again. If you say that's enough, then the next time you'll say that's enough again. Whereas if you push on, you push on again and you'll always push on. Or at least if you, if you pushed on and then next time you say that's enough, you'll be a little bit further on. You know, it, it's all about training your senses for me uh, and, and kind of keeping them and pushing on and pushing on and pushing on. So I, I will definitely, there's, there's some things I'd change, but I, I, I certainly, there'd be, there'd be people I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be more suspicious of certain people, especially in and around football, because what a lot of people don't understand about football is it's like an iceberg and you all, you see the kit, you see the players run onto the pitch um, at the beginning of a game, they'll play for 90 minutes, you'll talk about it when you go home and then that's it. But the, the, there's, there's a, the, the kind of network that evolved, that has evolved around football because of money mm. is one that, you know, there's a lot of, um, what, what, how can I put this? Exploitation. There's a lot of grooming, uh, financial grooming. There's a lot of financial exploitation around the players. And it's been going on for a long time. But I think now with the figures that we're talking about, um, th then, you know, if you haven't got the right people around you, then you have some issues. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that, um, you know, we live in a world where people see, uh, you know, they don't sometimes want to go out and achieve for themselves. They, they might offer a service, but um, ultimately they, they, haven't got the, they haven't got a duty of care in mind for this person. They've got a duty of care in mind for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and football's got too many of those types of people in, unfortunately. So would you rather have played when you did or now? It depends what you mean. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I loved when I played, you know, and, and, and the characters and everything else. You know, I, I, the, I'd have preferred to have played now for some reasons, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. First of all, I'm not going to lie, financially, it's in a better landscape. Um, but not just financially, it's the, um, it's also the kind of care uh, of, you know, the kind of the training and the methods, the um, facilities, all of those things are even kicked on again from when I was playing. So yeah, for those reasons, but in terms of the players I played against and, and, the, and the era, then I, I would have still enjoyed that because there were some characters you know for me now players don't really stand out you have a few players that stand out but i can't honestly tell you that there are a lot of players out there who are kind of think wow you know i, I mean I, I just just go through my head there you know you're talking about people like marcel Desailly. you're talking about lilian taram you're talking about Henri um burkamp um you know tony adams steve bold Paul Gascoigne, um, 
you know, all of these, you know, and that's just here, you know, this, when I went to play in Portugal, I'm playing with Michel Prudhomme, I'm playing again, you know, I'm playing against some World Cup winners and, and so on. So we, we have become um, very satisfied with mediocrity now. And, um, you yeah, know, I agree. When, when, I, when, I, when I think about some of those players, look, we, you, can't, you can't compare the two because, you know, players have evolved in many ways, you know, physically, mentally. There's, there's a better support networks around players now. But, you know, it, it, was, it was really kind of, you know, now you talk about um, periodization of training. You've, you've got training that's set to the, to the second, all of these things, which is great. You know, we were almost freestyling. Coaching methods have changed now, and, and players are becoming better co uh, players because there's better understanding. You know, and I can think about some training sessions where you got absolutely nothing out of it, but it would be put down as possession, and it was a disguised running session. You know, you weren't sort of like working on your technique, and you weren't working on your spatial awareness. So, so those are kind of that's come from people going on courses and being better coaches, and I get that. Um, but the other side of it is, in my day, we could go out for a drink. We could do things that, you know, you can't get away with now. And, yeah. and that was all part of the whole professional football experience. You know, that there's, there's people um, running football who run it like a business. Now, it doesn't always work like that. People don't understand that it's a one-off. And there aren't enough um, mechanisms in place to make sure that, it is run as well as it could be because you, you sometimes get people outside of football coming into football and not realizing that well you know you've got you've got people with personalities you've got emotional issues going on you've got physical you, all of these things a myriad of um, different consequences um, that people don't take into consideration and they just look at a they just look at it like a, 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 a you know, a slip with um, assets and liabilities on. You, you can't do that with football. Yeah. I've got to ask you, because you mentioned Benfica. Um, what was it like playing for Sunis? Graham was fine with me. I mean, I think um, one thing I'd say about Graham is, is if he gets a bee in his bonnet about somebody, it's weird watching him because he does kind of, he doesn't give it up. And um, I've heard that said about him but for me he was he's great guy really got a lot of charisma um and yeah it, it, look it was it was a it was a really good uh period of football for me i really enjoyed the whole kind of cultural thing and um it wasn't my it wasn't that i wanted to come back it was just that the club was in in, in a mess you know with the president who was basically a crook um, and, and again, that's what that's that's the thing, you know. It's um, you know, football people in football are there. Some people are there just to exploit situations, and it is business. So, on the other side of the on the other side, I, I, you know, fans have got to realise that people are in clubs to run it as as a business and to make money. If yeah. you think that people are there because they love the club or they want, or, you know, it, it look everybody wants something out of it. And I don't know anybody in their right mind who would come into a club 
spend millions and just say, oh, well, you know, we had a good, we had a good laugh, didn't we? You know, they think they're making the decisions for the right reasons and that's because they want to make money. Mm, yeah. And was, um, do you play for Robbo at Middlesbrough? I did, yeah. 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 That was interesting. Yeah. That was an interesting time. Yeah, it was. I mean, Brian's kind of person you'd always want to play for. He's a brilliant bloke. And, um, you know, he, he put a team together. He put, you know, put a squad together up there. And it's very hard to recruit for that area, you know, because what happens is anybody who goes there um, will get have their head turned because they want to be in a different social area. Mm. There's not a lot to do up there. And so, uh, I mean, I didn't like, I, I wasn't really a fan, you know, I, I mean, I used to travel every day and that's nothing. I just, I just didn't like the goldfish bowl, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, but the people up there are brilliant, you know, really nice people. Um, I just needed to get away from the area and I, and I was only like an hour away in Leeds anyway, so. Yeah. So, um, we're wrapping up, Brian, so I've got to ask you. Yeah. Best player you've ever played against? I get asked this a lot. Um, so if you're talking about over a period of time, if I had a nemesis or one-off, one-off was, um, I have to say, it was Lilium Taram. Um, when we, I was at Leeds and we played against um, Monaco in the um, UEFA Cup. And he was, um, I've never been marked like that before. You know, there was, there was, it, it, I, he just beat me to everything and there was nothing I could do to get in his head or anything. And I, I and I kind of like, at 70 minutes, I couldn't wait for the, um, for the final whistle to go, right. to be honest. Um, so, so that'd say he, he was the hardest opponent in a one-off game. And, and best player you played with? Oh, <laughs> Too many to mention, um, but I think if, if I played up front, I, I, I would say that there's probably, if I define it in, in, in um, if, if I'm allowed to do this, you know, I'd say I had the best partnership with um, Tony Agana because we just seemed to click. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a fantastic time for me as, to develop. I'd say, you know, playing with Tony Yaboa was, amazing because he just was so off the cuff you couldn't believe it um he was um it, it, his ability was frightening you know um and and i would say technically as the, the other one was alan boxich alan boxich was the finished article in terms of the archetypal um center forward who had everything pace power you know left foot right foot heading um intelligent so I'd, I'd say those three you know you know there's other people I can mention as well you know myself and you know Rod Wallace loads of people I mean as a forward those were the three that really you know were really interesting to play with um, you know midfield players I played with Janino um, you know he was great uh, wasn't he he was a fantastic player yeah were you there when Rav was there as well? No, no. I was at, um, I can't remember where I was at, Leeds, I think. Right. Yeah. 
yeah. But Juninho was was amazing, wasn't he? When he yeah. uh, his first spell, he was yeah, no, he was a fantastic yeah. player. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, look, I, I mean, like I said, you know, I I was um, had a great career, but you know, and, and this will go to anything. Everything you enjoy is over quicker than you want it to be. Mm. Um, but I, I do feel like if I had a little bit more guidance and mentoring from somebody in the game, and I spoke to um, my first manager the other day, Dave Cusack, who's, who's not very well at the moment, and I said, like, because it was an interest. We had a, I'll just tell you this story very quickly. Um, when I was at Doncaster, Dave was my manager, and um, there, were, there were times after games where you know, I come into the changing rooms and, and it was myself and a couple of other young kids and we were like, oh God, who's going to get it today? And like, <laughs> we get we get roasted, you know, and it was like, you know, and then we played we played Mansfield one day and we lost 1-0 and um, came into the changing rooms and he absolutely tore into me, you know, and I was only 20 at the time. I was, uh, you know, centre forward, um, big gangly centre forward, you know, looking for direction. And he, he tore into me and I, I went to see him next day and I said, listen, I think I might have to pack in because I can't take this. You know, what have I done that's so wrong? He says, I said, he said, he said, listen, Brian, he said, George Foster has just said, can I buy the centre forward? And he said, no, no chance. He said, um, he said, that kid's going to go all the way. Um, he says, what I'm trying to do, Brian, is prepare you for what's to come. You know, you're going to need to be tough if you're going to make it. I'm just giving you what I, I am actually protecting you and preparing you. And it all kind of made sense then. Um, and, I, and I spoke to Dave the other day and I, and I you know, we, we've been out of touch for, you know, decades. And then I spoke to him and I said, um, I said, apart from my brother, Tony, you know, and, I, and my other brother, Stephen, who used to, he, you know, once Stephen got a car, he used to take me to, to games and so on. But Tony, me and Tony uh, had this bond from football. I said, I wish I'd have had um, you by my side through my career because there were times where, you know, it, you know, I, I, the people who were saying to my brother, I don't think your brother knows how good a player he is. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. And if I'd have had somebody from within the professional game who had nothing to gain from me telling me this, it would have made a lot of difference to me. I'd have, when I went to England, for example, I'd have been more confident, you know, instead of thinking, well, you know, it was very clicky in, those, in, the, in, that, in that environment, you know, because you'd go in there and you'd have Manchester United players on one um, table. Arsenal on another, you know, whatever. And it, it it was, you know, and I came from a small club and so it was like, no one ever is, re you know, everybody was really into their own little group and it was it was difficult. And, and in them days as well, the press were, you know, the, the press, it, it was different. You know, if you're, if you're working for the press, you don't want to fall out with the manager. So at, at club level, you know, it's different now because everybody takes a, a, a view, a more 360 view, not just a narrow view of, of, of what 
you know, the, the manager says as being, you know, the given word, because we all know a lot of them are talk crap now. If you, if you, if you watch after a game, they, they want to blame everybody else instead of being honest. So, um, but yeah, that, that was, um, that mm. was Dave saying to me, you know, so I told Dave, I said, look, Dave, if I'd have had you as a mentor, you know, I'd have, I'd have been a better, I'd have been better off. Yeah. It's interesting. The things that you've talked about, uh, when I talk to people on this to try to get out, you know, what is the story? What's what makes people different? But it's often about resilience, um, mindset, and, and, and also almost to a person. They always talk about mentors. Either they got a mentor that changed them or, as you've just said, had they had better advice and not had to deal yeah. with crap. And it's yeah. such a limiting thing if you've got people around yeah. you that so really turning up at England is all about you're thinking more about the fear aren't you than the opportunity yeah if I'd have gone in there now with what I'd done at those at those times I'd have just thought you know what instead of thinking oh well I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be here yeah I'd have thought you know what if half of you had have had what I've had to deal with on the pitch half of you wouldn't be here yeah do you know what I mean yeah and that was well, my point. That really. would have been a way of turning it round. Yeah. But that's my takeaway from, from this, Brian, is I, I can't help but think, ultimately, you, you won. Do you know what I mean? From, from that upbringing, you, yeah. you can look back. No doubt. You, you, you made it. And it made you, ultimately. It made I am, I, I am a... You know, I am a representative of my parents. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I'm a representative of their struggle. You know, they came up in the early 60s. My dad had two, three jobs working down at Yorkshire Imperial Metals. My mum made, um, she worked at the LGI. Oh, my mum worked there. Right, yeah. My mum was a seamstress, so she made all the gowns and so on. You know. They'd never came to watch me play. I hardly came to watch me play because they were working. But anytime I needed boots or anything like that, they'd, they'd make sure I had what I needed. And that's all the support I needed. And, I, and uh, you know, so, you know, I am a product of, of their endeavours, I suppose. But how did they feel when you ended up at Leeds, for example? You need to get online and look at the, there's a there's a video online now called the Brian Dean story, and it's made thirty years ago. About it was my time at Sheffield United. All right. Um, so you can watch that. But that you know they were just proud of me. I'm just a, I was just one of their kids. You know, at the end of the day, there was no okay. I was the youngest, but there was no um, you know. It's just love in it. It's like you do what you do for your kids. You know. Um, but yeah, and, and, I, and I suppose, you know, one of the things that's come out of <clears throat> me um, not being a, you know, not I, I kind of dipping in and out of football, but the business that I'm involved in now is, is Phoenix Sports and Media Group. And it's set up by a, a group of us who are ex-professional footballers alongside, um, you know, best in practice um, you know, people from from outside of the industry, from business, for example, and um, 
it, it fills in a lot of the holes that we didn't have um, when, when we were coming through, you know. So you're talking about transitioning sport. Well, we do, um, you know, training. When I say training, I mean, you know, there's a lot of educational stuff we do. Um, perhaps have a look on the website, you know, but we also have links in back into football. We, you know, one of the things we're going to be doing when we come out of this um, pandemic is want to get into the clubs at a young age and, and tell people about um, some of the things that we, what you know, that some of the hurdles that they're going to come up against. Um, Paul Williams, who's part of our group, um, he, he put something on Twitter the other day and it was, and it came out of nowhere. And, and Willow is one of us. And uh, it, it's basically giving kids, it's trying to give kids the tools that they're going to need um, to um you know to get through because all of the a lot of the coaches um and managers are, are in my age group and have the same mindset so i i understand a lot of the the managers mindsets because you know for all intents and purposes it's like it's like chris wilder me and chris were playing together same age i understand why chris does what he does um i won't mention a couple of others but there's somebody I know who is the academy manager at one of the top clubs in the country and character is very important. You know, character might be that half a percent, you know, and, and, that, and that can be translated into not only football, but business. You know, we do things when it comes to talking about transition from football to sport and, and realising that all of these techniques and skills that, and experiences that we've got are very relevant for the business um, for business right. as well. What's the website, Brian? It's Phoenix Sports and Media Group, PSM, PSMG. Okay, great. So if you just look up Phoenix Sports, um, you'll, you'll see what we do. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's been a great chat. Um, as a lead yeah. guy, you, you were, you were uh, somebody that I loved watching. Um, and I, 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 I can picture where you were growing up and I wasn't too far yeah. and I think you know I can see you turning up with your mates at trials and I'm keeping the ball thinking I'll make it one day so <laughs> I do think you know, I take away from this I think ultimately Brian you won thank you great to chat to you thanks for your time All right. cheers see you later bye bye, -bye.